How are we? Amazing. Let's try that again. Uh, how are we doing? We good? Awesome, awesome. You, you look good, you sound good. Want to welcome everybody uh, watching via video. We got folks at our West location. Shout out to the West side. Uh, welcome our West. We welcome everybody in Halifax. We're excited to see our West people, our Halifax people, all the online people, and today, uh, people at the Valley as well. We are glad you're here. Uh, we are finishing our For Better, For Worst, For Worse series. And, uh, we, you know, we've been for the last five weeks now, this is our fifth week, looking at different topics surrounding marriage. And as you may have, may have believed or may, have, may think, uh, we haven't been able to cover everything. So this last week, we brought some of our favorite people, my favorite person uh, here with me. This is my wife, Melanie. And uh, Mel yeah, she let her, let her know that. Yeah. But some of our, my favorite people here with me. And uh, we're going to try our best to just cover a bunch of topics that you have asked via email, via text, requests, conversations, just different things that we haven't been able to address over the last five weeks. So we're going to do that today. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, who do we got on the panel? Andy, let's, let's introduce everybody. Let's start over here on stage, right? You guys know these lovely people, don't you? Some of you do, some of you don't. Far right, Pastor Adam Brewer, our Seaside location pastor. Seaside, Seaside. Yes. Seaside. yes. His way better half, am I right? Julie Brewer, who is the director of our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Yes. I'm Pastor Andy. I've been the youth pastor here. And here with my, yeah, that's right. Thanks. That's true. Cool. That's the way lower applause than you guys got, just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> My amazing wife, Carrie Rod, who is a Central Kids pastor at Church. Yeah. They love you way more than me. It's great. It's, and the, the Bible says familiarity bring, breeds contempt. It does say that. They it does see say you that. too much, Andy. They That's don't true. appreciate and you. And we're, we're talking to a marriage panel, so that makes perfect sense tonight, too. And uh, obviously, you guys, give it up. Let's honor Pastor Brent and Melanie, can we, please? Amazing. Awesome. So... We're going to have some fun. We're going to we keep are, it yeah. casual. We're going to do our best. We're going to reference scripture and our own experience. This is a pastor panel. Uh, we didn't bring any uh, doctors or doctor doctors or anybody, but we, we're going to do our best to speak from our experience. But before we do that... We're going to do what we got. Okay, what do we got? All right, awesome. So we're going to do a quick a newlywed game. You guys want to see these guys play the newlywed game really quick? A little icebreaker. All right, Let's here, take, take, a, take a dry erase board, pass it around. You get those, you get a dry erase marker. I'm going to ask the wives a question first. Everybody gets their own board. Yep, and a marker. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jules. All right, so this is a question for the wives. So the wives, I'm going to ask you this question. You're going to write down what you think your husband would say, all right? Husbands, we're going to write down our answer to the question, all right? All right? And show. if we match, you get a point. The couple who has the most matches at the end is the best couple, all right? So, so I'm writing down two on this. I haven't okay. talked to anybody about these questions, not even my wife. So if we win, we didn't cheat, I promise. All right. We're so, not competitive all right. anyway. First question for the wives is, what was the best present that he ever gave you? The best present that he ever gave you. Now, I write, write down, down what I think she's going to say. So what I do? Yes, she writes down what she thinks the best present is. You try and match it. Oh, okay. And you better be right. All right, I got mine. But in fairness, I had time to think about this it. This was easy. All right. Oh, yeah. Your, your body doesn't count, Adam. That's not a real... Uh-oh. <laughs> that's not a real present. Do you need an eraser? All right. 
kind of starting over. All right, we ready? We're gonna try it. Yeah, we're ready. All right, let's let's have Brett and Mel reveal first. Show us what your answers were. So, Melanie, the best present he ever gave you. Show us what you said. What do you got? It is. Oh, children. That's one way to think about it. Let's do a redo. We need a redo. No. This is embarrassing. I would accuse them of cheating, but they definitely did not see <laughs> my answers. All right, Kiri, what's, we what's the best present I, I ever gave you? Now I'm nervous. What is it? Well, at my least I'll match uh, That was the best. See, yeah. I, went, I just saw yours, I and I'm, totally I want to leave. I said <laughs> pearls. <laughs> you got a string of pearls. Wow. I'm a horrible person, apparently. All right, sure. cool. Hey, to your, to your I did. Credit, I pearls. did buy her a strand of pearls. Yeah, pearls sure. a great gift. Yeah, for an anniversary, like our yeah. fifth anniversary or something. That's yeah. a great yeah. gift. That's cool. That's yeah. great. Kids, pearls. Yeah. Thanks for the validation. Depends guys, on the day shoot. for the kids. <laughs> That's very true. All right, so Julie, best present he ever gave you. What do you think? Mm. Oh, you guys, are you serious? <laughs> that is super weird. That is super that weird. That is amazing. And Adam definitely did not say it, did he? Here, you guys should trade. <laughs> I told you. So, so does not I count. did try to win. Does not count. What do you mean I was supposed to try to All right. win? I did try to win. Erase these with your bare hands, I guess, because I didn't get us any tissues. Sorry, guys. All right, so, so this one's... So there's, that's one nothing for this us. This one's for the guys. Just, yep. FYI, so. Just to make that clear. The Ingersolls are up. One zip. Everybody else. All right, for the guys. The score right here. She, uh, she just won the lottery. What's her first purchase? Oh, boy. She just won the lottery. Money is no object. Church. What is her first purchase? I know this one. I cheat at games, so watch me. I don't make sure. I, I have no... What's your first purchase? Holy man. Nervous. We've learned Are you buying it for me? You would think because I wrote these questions that I would have had uh, better answers, but I'm very nervous. We talk about uh, it all the time. I have, uh, Hard time over there, huh? All right, yeah. We, we, oh, Andy, see, we've Melody learned... Melody has so many choices We've learned the secret of contentment. <laughs> yes. So, I have no idea. We don't know what our Church answer would answers. be. Lame. All right, do you guys have an answer? No, I don't have an answer. We have known plenty oh, and we yeah. have known little. She just won the lottery. What's her first purchase, Adam? What do you think? You got one, Mel? Oh, no. All right, let's start we're over just, here. We're just, we yeah, ready. we're just guessing. But. All right, what do you think? A trip to the beach. A trip to the beach. I, I feel like this right. is going to count. What does that say? I, trip. Oh, there you go. A vacation. I feel like that's at least nice. a half point. Nice. <laughs> you should have right. just said, keep it vague. All right. What did what did you say, Schnookums? Uh, First thing you'd buy. A new house. A new house. Oh, that sucks. I said a new wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it'd be the first place you start. We'd get to the house eventually, but wardrobe first? I don't know. Who knows? All right, Julie. A dog? <laughs> Are you joking? You can get right. them for free. New house. A new house. There you go. There you go. Julie really wants a dog. It's so right, the are up. Two nothing. One more, last where, one. Where's the eraser go? Give me the eraser. Razor. Last one for the wives. Right. Yeah, where's the eraser? I don't know where the eraser went. But, you guys yeah. are you guys are wusses. I'm just using my oh, bare hands. Oh man! Up here. All right, so for the ladies, this is your final question. This is the this is the last one. All right. Uh, we're cleaning up, just so you know. So yeah, we're gonna guys, uh, we're gonna make cheap. this one a little bit a little bit easier. What's our favorite flavor of potato chips? Favorite flavor of potato the, chips. Who, wait, whose favorite flavor? The guys. What's my favorite flavor of potato okay. chips? What, what's mine? Yeah. Oh. I should know that. 
You're saying you're I right, even if I'm wrong. Julie's going to be mad at you if you get this wrong, I feel like. So you're saying if I write the wrong one, you're still right. That's why we're up here. It's going to be good. This is going to be really good. Yeah. Use this game mic. was designed hey, to get your, you guys fighting before we even started, so it's perfect. That's perfect. All right, start on the end, Mel, because we've been doing it. Let's keep a tradition. What do you got? Favorite flavor? Doritos. All right. That's more of a brand than a flavor. I feel like you cheated a little bit, but that's okay. I said Tostitos. Tostitos. Same company. Corn-based. Technically, yeah, I, I no. did qualify. Technically a corn chip. Technically a corn technically chip. Technically a corn chip. That yeah. is true. That is true. All right. Maybe a, maybe a half point. We'll see. All right. Carrie, what do you think? Uh, barbecue. Barbecue. Creamy dill. <laughs> Cover bridge, potato chips, creamy dill. She you guys thought you those? were a man. They're That's amazing. Why. Creamy dill. Barbecue. <laughs> or Cover Bridge makes a storm chips where they're mixed together. Adam, help great. us. What's a masculine chip? Barbecue. Barbecue. There you go. Okay. Barbecue. Oh, hey. We got skunks. <laughs> the only ones who get no points. That's all right. All right, cool. We're done with that, guys. That was fun. That was good. That Ingersoll's was good. win. You're the best couple. That's awesome. Yeah, so, that, <laughs> if, if nothing else goes right today, yeah. we win. You got that. That's good. You have that locked down. At least down. you got that. That's amazing. All right. So, so we're not going to play games all night, guys. We came here to talk about stuff. Like Brent said, we've been doing this, this series over the last four weeks. We've been able to address as much as we could, but understanding that there's so much out there regarding marriage we haven't been able to get to yet. And you guys, in our survey that we gave out, so many of you took that survey, and thank you for that. Mm -hmm. You guys had some amazing questions and some amazing content that you sent into us so a lot of this today most of this is going to be based off of your survey questions and your input and that kind of data cool is that good so we've got five main categories that we're going to discuss today and to sort of do that we thought we'd play a little game and make it a little fun so we've got an emoji spinner that we're going to use to land on all the categories right so it's kind of random we don't know what's coming we've got this amazing custom-made king church game show button isn't that amazing it's look incredible. at that shout out to pastor aj that's pretty Pretty incredible for making that. I think he actually 3D printed it, which is nuts, which is bananas. But so anyway, when we hit this button, it's going to spin a category for us on the screen behind us, and whatever it says, we have to talk about. Is that fair? Okay. Does that work? Yeah. All right. I just you guys ready? Should we, should we push the button? We ready for it? Push All right. the button. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. That was a solid. Look at how fast. That was a solid thumb. <laughs> Boom. Oh, All right. Nice. Communication. Yes. Communication. All right. We can do that. That's a big one. Okay. So in our survey, communication was essentially tied for first place with finances as the number one frustration in our marriages. So why is healthy communication such, such a consistent challenge for married couples? Hmm. Just going to be free for all kind of. Yeah. I'll, I'll what, jump, do you, what do you kick us off, Brent? I'll jump in. For those of you who weren't here two years ago and we did the first half of this series, I did talk about communication and basically... Uh, what we talked about was this, the reason communication is difficult are two kind, of, two kind of primary reasons. One, we're different. Everybody's different. Everybody has different communication styles. And the other reason is we're all selfish. We all try to communicate to ourselves in the other person. And so we talked about how oftentimes we'll get our communication wiring mixed up, how, you know, sometimes we'll come and we'll have what's supposed to be a logical information base. We'll ask a logical question. Uh, did you do the dishes, Brent? And I will have an emotional interpretation. What are you saying? I'm not the kind of man who would do dishes? Are you what? I provide for this house, right? You, you start to interpret questions that are... <laughs> oh, sounds like a real-life conversation, oh, I think. So, so, so that's... But that's how we get our wires crossed between kind of logical communication 
and, 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 and emotional communication. Uh, maybe pick on the ladies. Uh, an emotional question, guys, is not, how does this look? That is, they are not looking for logical information. Don't tell the truth in that, in that moment, <laughs> right? Like, unless, and, like, they're not looking for, well, it looks like, a, you, you say awesome, right? They're looking for affirmation. So it's getting things crossed up between information and affirmation. And we're oftentimes trying to speak to ourselves. So a lot, a lot of the time, it's just, it, I learned this in leadership more than even in my marriage, is a lot of the time I'll try to lead people how I want to be led. But everybody's not like me. Everybody's not the same as me. We're all different. And I think the, the sooner we can start to slow down and see the person and not ourselves and, and look to them and communicate to them how they need to, to be communicated to, right. we're going to get some breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. It's you saying that we see that so much in our relationship of communicate. I'll communicate when I am ready to communicate when she isn't ready to communicate. Like for us, I like to do it at night. Sometimes when she's with the sweatpants on, tied, headphones in, in bed. Communication? Yeah. Like, we'll want to talk about things. Right, yes. It is communication. Okay. It is. But no, seriously, we'll come home from work or whatever it is that we really, we need to pick our times. Because if we don't pick our times, like, late at night doesn't work. Early in the morning doesn't work. I don't know when does work. No, we know. But there's certain times that if we don't pick the time correctly and actually plan to talk about serious things, then a lot of times it becomes an emotional conversation and I'm looking for the answer I want. And when I don't get the answer I want, I react just like you said. Yeah. 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 Agreed? Yeah, agreed. So what, so, <laughs> so what tips do you guys have? You know, Andy, Carey, you guys probably are the most cohesive uh, I've seen in communication, although we all have our moments, I'm sure. But what tips would you, would you have for all of us on understanding one another and communicating better? I heard a podcast, a quote from a podcast the other day that said, uh, don't attribute to malice what can be adequately explained by stupidity. <laughs> That's, that is right? brilliant. Tweet that. But like, and that to me, I think summed it up is just giving the benefit of the doubt, I think is, is huge. huge. And don't think that like, hopefully in our marriage, our spouse isn't out to get us and isn't and does want the best for us and wants us to, to, to win at, at life. But yeah. so if we attribute to just a, like poor communication or a mistake or stupidity, um, rather than malice, I think that's a huge start. Yeah. So like even when you get that emotional interpretation versus logical interpretation, it's not just words that we're interpreting, it's, it's actions, right. right? Like, and you might read into what someone did or didn't do emotionally when they weren't, they weren't there was nothing attached to it. They just forgot to do the dishes, right. all right? Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> no. And I think that's, that's really good too, because what I've, what I've tried to do is, is default to assuming the best. Right, because it's, it's really easy to immediately assume the worst. Like something happens or something said, there's a breakdown, and immediately in our minds, we start to play out all these scenarios that maybe never actually happened, right? Mm. You get, yeah. We all do that from time yeah. to time. It's like, even, even if you know going home, there's a conversation that needs to happen, you start playing, you start rehearsing it in your head, right? Yeah. And going through all, this is what she's gonna say to me, and this is what I'm going to say back, right? <laughs> None we of all, us do that. We all do it. We all do it. But if we, can, if we can, like, default to assuming the best rather than assuming the worst, First, yeah. that makes a big difference. It's like, all right, I know she loves me. I know she's for me. Like, why would I assume that this was her intent when really it's probably just a misunderstanding and a miscommunication yeah. on one of our parts at, 
at some point along the way. I think and it's that self-focus though. Like I, I know, I, like, I think it's that self-focus that gets us in trouble in there is just across the, across the board, right? Yeah. It's that, you know, and trying to interpret them through your own filter. I think what we've talked about over the last several weeks is the key to healthy relationships in general, but especially marriage is like getting over yourself and dying to self. Like it's just, it's a selfishness that ends up tripping things up. And we mm. talked about how, you know, a lot of the time we give the worst, we give our worst to the people we say we love the most. Yeah, we do. You know, and so even that whole benefit of the doubt, how often I don't give the benefit of the doubt, whether it's to my kids or to my wife, you know, we should probably just keep that, keep that as a sign, that thing you just, you, that quote you said. We should just wear it every yeah. day. Don't Say it again. Say it one more time. Don't attribute to malice what can be adequately explained by stupidity. Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is really wise. Stupid it sounds funny, but that's, that's, that's fast. Yeah, it's that's good. Helpful. That's really good stuff. Something else that I've learned along the way, too, is I have to, I have to pay attention to my tone. Like when I'm speaking and when I'm communicating, it's I may not necessarily say the wrong thing, but I say it. I say the wrong thing in my tone. Anybody yeah. else, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, it's like she could say, why'd you, why'd you say that? I was like, I didn't say that, but I really did. You know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm kind enough to maybe not come right out and say it, but I'm passive aggressive enough to like work it into my tone, you know, and just let it sort of <laughs> hang out there and sort of be inferred. Yes. So your tone is every bit as important as, as what you say. For sure. It's good. Okay. Just the whole timing thing is, is key, right? For us. Like, if it's something really serious that you want to talk about, just saying, hey, is this a good time to talk? Sometimes when you first come through the door, it's not the best to just lay it all on you. For sure. And then, yeah. you know, just depending on how serious it is. Sometimes you need to schedule the important yeah. talks. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we, then yeah, we, we have to. Fridays off together. So, you know, taking that time. And if we're driving, I find that's the best time to... To get his attention he and can't talk, because he can't, he can't get away from you. Adam yeah. seems to disagree with that. No, if you want something, ask me when I'm driving. Or, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, I just it. say, look, right. you know, it's our day off. We're going to fool around later, but I have a few things to talk about. For <laughs> so, and then he usually listens. Yeah, you got my attention now. I, like, I don't know if that's healthy, yeah. but if oh. it works. Yeah, that might be manipulation. I don't know. Manipulation, whatever. But yeah, I'll come home from work and... And everything that went wrong in the day at work, then I need to fix everything at home that night. So I'll come through the door and it's like busting the doors open. It's like, we need to parent better. We need to do this better. And we need to do this better. Because when I was an electrician on the job site, things could go really bad. Not that they ever go bad at church, but on the job site. And I'm t I'd come home and I'd want to fix the whole thing. And Julie would be shutting down for the day because she's done her thing all day. So the timing is really important. And we've had some good ones because of bad timing. And then I right. wake up at 6 a.m. and want yeah, to talk I don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, I want to do my thing in the morning. Do the gym. You guys know I like yeah. the gym. I like to do that and do the thing. There we go. Seriously, it's here we ready. go. I got it in. No, but it is. The timing is important. It is. Yeah. It is. Cool. All right. Awesome. That's that's good on communication. You so, think, guys? Someone should probably keep like an innuendo count. We probably for this, should. For this, for this whole talk. Where's your Where's your scoreboard? Get, scoreboard. That, get that thing out again. Yeah, I think Every, the Brewers have like four innuendos already, so let's just write Every time. That down. One of them wasn't even an innuendo. She just straight up said it. But it sounded like anyway, one. all right. You guys ready for another category? Ready to spin yeah. that yeah, spin that, that uh, spin button that again? All right, here we go. Let's see what we got. What's next? That was communication. Now we've got. Ooh, dating. dating. It has been a while. Dating, singleness. Just a little bit. Yeah. All right. All right, dating. So Pastor Seth tackled this topic during our series. We learned that some 40% of the adult population are single. We have a large constituent sorry, of single men and women in our church trying to follow Jesus and find a mate. 
Oftentimes, these two objectives can feel like they're at odds, can't they? So, what does the Bible tell us about following Jesus while finding a spouse, and what is most important? Ooh, that's, that is a big question right there. And I, I, would say, I would say, first of all, just to sort of dive, in, dive into this, that like those, those decisions, I think, matter more than we sometimes, than we sometimes think. Because a lot of it's like, hey, it's, it's casual, it's cool, like it doesn't necessarily mean anything, it's not permanent, so we can sort of like just sort of figure this out or date whoever I want or just, just sort of not take it seriously. And I think the, my first advice would be to like actually really take it seriously who you're dating and who you're getting involved with. Like if you're, call, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what the question is, right? Like if we're trying to follow Jesus and be at the dating scene at the same time, that can really seem like it's at odds with each other. And so taking that seriously, really taking the time to think through the kind of decisions of like the most important thing at the end of the day, even more important than I dare I say physical compatibility, which obviously the brewers have, all right, <laughs> is, uh, is like, do we believe the same things? Because yeah. I talk to a lot of couples that say, well, man, we really get along. And we, we, we pretty much, we jive on every level except for what we believe. Yeah. And then we're like, well, that, that'll, that'll take care of itself later. Like eventually, like the longer we're together, like that, that stuff will sort of merge itself. That'll, that'll work itself out. And a lot of couples say that's, that's like the last thing on their mind. I would push back against that a little bit. And you guys just tell me what you think. But I would say that's, that should be the number one most yeah. important thing. I'd because it doesn't tend to that a lot yeah. of it. I would push that back a lot. Like Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. And what he means by that, that's a reference, you know, I don't know what, he would, he would probably talk about maybe tire alignment today, but he was using a reference that meant something to those people at that time, talking about like a yoke of oxen. A yoke means two, and how they would put a, 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 like a wooden thing across their shoulders, and that if one was much stronger than the other, what would happen is an unequally yoked pair of oxen would, would start to veer one way, right? It would, the, the strong one would push or pull the weaker one. And so when Paul's talking about don't be unequally yoked when you're, when you're together with someone, that means like if, if one of you has faith in Christ and the other doesn't, uh, you're going to be warring against one another. And generally, historically, and I've seen this not just in my upbringings, I've been around the church my whole life, but especially the last 13 years as I've pastored, I've seen more people, you have great intentions, you think I'm going to pull this person into the faith. We call it missionary dating. I'm going to pull this person in. They're going, to, they're going to fall in love with Jesus just like I have as they fall in love with me. I've actually seen it go the opposite way more often. I've seen, I've seen the influence of the, the non-believer pull the, the believer their direction. And so this is why Paul is saying, don't be unequally yoked. So I would say along what you were saying is if you are a Christian and you are dating, be intentional about what you're doing. Yeah. This is part of your faith. It's, it's okay. God, God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Uh, look for a spouse. That's okay, but do it with Christ. Don't play the field and maybe, oh, maybe we'll get married. Look, don't date someone if you don't think that marriage is a possibility. Dating is, is for the purpose of getting married. Otherwise, be single. So be intentional in your faith and, uh, and don't be unequally yoked. So, so we're going to try to pump out some more singles nights, try to connect more Christians, because it really is important that... I would say in, in our marriage, like as we've, as we've walked this out, you know, we, we're two different people and we've had our bumps and we've had our disagreements. It's gotten better. But I will say even in that first year, like where we, we, we had some struggles, I think it was the fact that we both at the beginning and the end of the day were people of faith, people who'd given our lives to Jesus that 
kept that foundation under us. So no matter what, and the things that we've gone through in our lives, whether it's, you know, with our kids, with losing a baby, like all the, all the things that we've gone through, our faith has been the one constant in all of it. So I, I would say if you are single, don't, don't, don't date someone who's not, don't think that they're going to all magically fall in love with Jesus as they fall in love with you. It doesn't always happen that way. That's really good. That's really good. I would agree with uh, what you were saying because Julie and I, we've had some struggles, obviously, those that know us, um, like legit struggles. And even through our dating, there was, there was some struggles. And, but like you said, Brian, our foundation was on Jesus and it always came back to that. It was always, we agreed on that one thing. And those that are going through some serious struggles or you're in date, if without that, it just would have been like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I do know the answer, but even when we were young and we were dating, we both like it came down that we love Jesus. And without that, we wouldn't have been able to move forward, right? Impossible. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What about, what about uh, purity and dating, all right? Because I, like, the church is pretty much the only place in the world anymore that says, hey, wait until you're married to have sex. And like, even as the church has grown and culture shifted around the church a lot, like even in church culture now, it's like, are there, are there, actually, are there actually people out there that are in the dating world that are waiting until they get married to have sex. Mm-hmm. Is that even still possible? And why should we even care about that if we're dating or single? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the bottom line is, like, do you believe what the Bible says or not? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, th- I, I would caution anybody who is starting to like just pick and choose, you know, which verses of this and which, te- which verses of the Bible you're gonna say apply to me today and which ones don't. Now, of, co- of course, there's context and all that stuff. But the Bible is very clear about that sex is, is reserved for marriage. We'll talk about sex more later. Yeah. But like God actually designed it. And, and if, you, if you go back on our website or you go and look at the first time we talked about this in the series, um, there's nothing, there's no such thing as casual sex. Like it is a spiritual thing. And you are actually giving a part of yourself to that person. Even if it's a one night stand hookup, you are forever entwined with them. Now, the grace of Jesus can, can do anything. Yep, and so, sure. you know, like if you've got a history, uh, you know, Jesus is great enough to, to cover, to, you know, wash you as white as snow. And I believe that. But the Bible will just put so much weight on the act of sex as being something that only, the, only marriage can actually adequately contain. It's just going to be worse for you in the long run, I think, is what the scripture is getting at. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, I've had people ask me before, too, like, okay, where's the verse in the Bible that says... Thou shalt not have sex until you're married. And you probably can't locate like a single verse that like literally spells it out in that language. But you have to look at the overall language and picture of what the Bible says when it's talking about avoiding sexual immorality and things like that. When they were speaking, they were talking about avoiding sex outside of marriage. That was part of what they were saying. Yeah, it's like the sixth, I think it's the, it's a greater sixth, understanding. the sixth commandment is don't, don't have sex with someone who's not your wife. Right. So I don't know if like you can spell it out any more explicitly than that, but yeah. the, the implication is wife, sex, good, mm-hmm. not wife, sex, no. Right. Yeah. And that's pretty much, right. pretty much what it says. So. Yeah, you can't read through all the different scriptures and references, Old Testament, New Testament, and not logically come to that kind of conclusion. So you, you can, church, but you're working, you're working real hard. Sure, that. absolutely. Yeah. And in the it. church, we're, we're still committed to that. And we're like, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it to wait. It's worth it to save yourself just because you're saving yourself a world of headache. Can, can, I, I want to just speak on. on that because I feel like there's people here, especially who are in dating relationships, 
don't miss the incentive. Like every time God commands something, he's commanding to give you something, not take. Yeah, that's right. And I know there's, there's something in your mind that says like, well, why can't we have fun? Why can't we get like, there's, there's that thing. I know because we dealt with it while we were dating and engaged like that. Is God trying to withhold something from you? Just every time God has a no, a thou shalt not, it's because he has a that you may that is greater. And he wants something for you, not to take something from you. So don't allow the enemy to get you to focus on what you're giving up. Focus on what you gain when you obey Jesus because he's going to give you something better and you'll be glad for it. So. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, that's dating. We need to move on. We need to get to the next category. So you guys ready? Spin yeah. the button again one more All time. Right. Right, here we go. Let's see what we got. That is a very uh, audibly That's satisfying amazing. sound. Oh, it is. So satisfying. Parenting. All right, Julie, you were supposed to uh, kick us off on that one, I think. There you go. Okay. Parenting. It's a big one. How do you manage to grow a happy, healthy marriage with the relentless demands and challenges of having kids in a family, especially young kids? We don't find it challenging, so you can answer. <laughs> yeah, well, we're good. You guys are talking about it. It's super easy. <laughs> super oh, easy. That's a big question. Um... I think a huge part of that is that not to set ourselves up for failure. Like so often everything in the world says, oh, make sure that you have balance and balance in this and balance in that. Hmm. And a big part of that would be balance in, in your marriage and in your parenting. And that's not even true. Like that's a myth. There's no way to always have balance in life, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, but there are ways that we can be purposeful in creating a rhythm and that like that might change and it might look different when you have a newborn baby. There is no balance. That screaming little poopy thing yeah. is taking everything from you and they're not giving back. They're not able to balance it out. And right. so within that, I think creating a rhythm. Um, and what I mean by that is like on, maybe it's not like every night or every week, but creating times that you're able to connect with your spouse, um, connect in a way that's not just in regards to parenting, not just in regards to like stuff, life bills, but spend time together like on a regular basis and be intentional about that because we know like if we're not intentional about things, it doesn't happen. And so that we have to make sure we make time to be intentional to connect with each other. And that might be something as simple as like once the kids go to bed, like playing a board game or like spending time together, just trying to do things that don't, aren't just taking care of our families, I think is a huge part of that. I don't know if it was, I, I feel like most of the good advice that I forget who gave it to me was Dan Lamus. I think this was Dan. Sure. Um, but when we had our first child, we had Ava, it would be, she's 10 now, she'll be 11. Um, I think it was him who said, like, just looking at new dad, no sleep, you know, hair falling out at an accelerated rate, Amen. all that stuff. Amen. Um, just saying, like, give yourself in this season of your life, give yourself a ton of grace. Because nothing brings out the worst in you like your kids do <laughs> early on. Like, and I think that's a part of God's design. I think when one kid comes into the world, another one has to leave. And God, God actually uses that to grow us. And, and I think if you can just cut yourself a long rope, ton of slack, uh, especially those of you who are new parents, uh, especially on the marriage. It is hard on yeah. the marriage, uh, those first years even of being a parent. Like, cut yourself a ton of slack in that season. Like, don't, don't be super critical of yourself. 
I think, too, something I've learned is don't compare yourself to others on social media. Yes. <laughs> Instagram, Pinterest. Nailed Preach. it. There's I'm just baking no quinoa birthday cakes for my 20 kids, and we're all going to... You know, I can't, yeah, we can't keep up. There's nothing like Pinterest to make you feel like a failure as a parent. For real. <laughs> or a wife, because you're supposed to have perfect house, perfect marriage, perfect kids. Yeah. You're supposed to look perfect. You're never supposed to age. And yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. So I think you just need to cut yourself some slack and not compare yourself, because that comparison will rob your joy. <laughs> and realize, really. too, like, uh, you, 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 we end up on social media comparing you know, are, you know, behind the scenes to everybody's highlight reel. Mm, and you're like, sure. well, my life's not like that. You know, like people are staging and presenting a certain angle. And so I think it was like some of you and your friends, you were showing me, you were all taking pictures of your laundry heap and like the heap of laundry. And it was like honest social media for a while. <laughs> we were trying to be real because yeah. everybody posts our highlights. So we we're like, let's show all our... Yeah. real life stuff, all our laundry and our kitchen messes. And yeah. it feels good because you know you're not the only one that struggles to maintain perfect life. Comparison robs your joy. Mm -hmm. It robs your Invest joy. Invest in a babysitter too. Like we would get a babysitter even if it was going to Costco together. I mean, it's pretty lame when you have a baby. Like Hottest state ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> but even right. if you Samples. can go out for two hours, it's it's worth to yeah. invest yeah, that money. You do need yeah. you, you need space. Yeah. You just yeah. do. You can't you can't have your kid on your shoulders all the time. So, yeah, I think that's huge huge. Advice, I think a advice. big parenting thing too. Like we're talking marriages, right? And parenting is a big part of marriage. Don't let your kids be the most important people in your house. That's like, right. Like that is so really huge, and like especially. Like when, when our parents were kids, that wasn't the case. They hated us, right? We were just like extra things that ran around. Just kidding, mom and dad. Love you. Nine o'clock in the morning. Go outside. Yes, I don't want to exactly. see you until five. Leave. I'll, I'll ring supper. the bell for supper. Yeah, yeah, you're gone for eight hours straight. But it's true. But the culture has changed. Times have changed. And that's different now. So everything's all about, like you were said, like organic quinoa cakes for the kids and like no exactly. sugar or anything. Like everything, they're, they're bubble wrapped. And it's like we are now a slave to their schedules and a slave to their lives. And there's nothing wrong with enriching our kids. But like if we we want strong, healthy marriages, and that's what steers the health of your entire family. We can't let our kids be the most important thing. Like, you, she has to be more important to me than my kids are. And as much as I love my kids, I have to fight to make sure she is my number one priority. Like, I'm taking care of her before anybody else, before I'm taking care of myself, right? And that, that just helps you both to remember all on the way, and when things get hard, when things get a little rocky, when things get a little crazy, helps you to remember... Like, hey, we're, we're in this together no matter what. Hopefully, we still have to be together long after these two little pukes graduate and go off to college. <laughs> it's, it's I think our generation like really run the risk, though, of overprotecting and oversheltering our kids. Yeah, and if so, you think of, like, sure. the greatest people, the people you admire, or even the strengths in your own life, um, and again, I'm not advocating that we don't enrich our kids' lives either, but uh, there is a level of some space and some bumps and some bruises and some nicks and some rejection and some failure. Like that's the stuff that actually pr produces perseverance and character. Mm. And a lot, I think we're all, we're that generation of parents now who are probably going too far in protecting and shelter, sheltering our kids and giving every kid like our eight-year-old basketball team participation <laughs> trophies, right? That's why we're diligent winner. to you're tell the them, know, you're losers, right? you're losing. And you're losing, you're losing. I think it's important too for your kids to see a little bit of passion. 
Just saying. Yeah. Right. Sure. It is like, and yep. like when yep. my kids are mean to me, cause the older they get, the what do you mean by passion? Just, well, a little kissy poop. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. a little, so, like yeah. the kids just need a little bum squeeze or something. Right. Like, they, <laughs> like it grosses. You them. always have to go a little too far. Sometimes. Though, like. But they, uh, it's important that you my boys know yeah. that like they get all grossed out. They're like, ah, yeah, gross. But they're, they know that I love their mom and that's important. Like, yeah. They know that Huge. I think mm. she's beautiful. I think she's like, she's my wife. And when they're mean to me, I tell them all the time, I love her more than them yeah. and because they get mean yeah. then they get old they get mean especially yeah. if they are mean yeah. and it sounds it sounds backwards but our kids need to know that they're not the most important people no, in the house too for sure yeah. they right. need to know that and what you were saying like we like you're everybody's gonna fail everybody's gonna fall down everybody's gonna screw up everybody's gonna have that season and that moment in their life where they're like how did I how did I get here mm -hmm. is it better for your kids to have that while they're still in your house and they're still in your care, right. so you can help them process through it? Or is it better to keep them bubble wrapped until they're 18 and then throw them out in the world and then let them right. crash and burn? Yeah. Like, we've got mm -hmm. to make space to let our kids fail and make mistakes. And that is the hardest thing in the world to do. Like, we do it as parents now, and we're already, like, our kids are, are eight and five, and to watch them struggle with something and to go, like, oh, like every fiber yeah. of my being yeah. wants to jump in and fix it and save them. Yep. And sometimes it's just like, maybe I just need to sit back and just let this play out in this moment. Yeah, it's part of Let life. him try to figure it out for himself. Yeah, it is. Even even at school and stuff, if they, you know, things don't go off, they're not liked on the playground. You guys know the buddy bench? Yes. Like, they got to sit on the buddy bench. You know, what? that's dumb, yep. by yep. the way. But anyways, <laughs> where they have to sit on the bench and wait for a friend. I like, a wonder, no wonder bench. Celebrate Recovery's packed. But anyway, <laughs> um, like, so. Wow. But, I need to push the button. But, yeah, but it is, yeah, <laughs> teachers that are watching, get rid of the buddy bench. But, um, oh, man. But it's one of those things. And all, back to the passion thing, like, it's important them to see, it's important for them to see us argue a bit, too. Can I just right? say that uh, <laughs> thoughts expressed on this panel do not yeah. all represent the... No, they don't. They do not represent <laughs> team shirts at all. That's right. Um, but, yeah, like, they need to see us, like, argue, like, be real. Like, be real. Like, I know in the age we grew up in, like, I, I didn't see a lot of arguments in my friends, parents, whatever. And, like, our kids see us go at it some, but they also see us make up on the other end. Mm. Now, we don't go all crazy, but we do. You know, it's good for them to see us disagree because they know that we're yeah, in it together, They know right? we make mistakes. Yeah. 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 It's good. Modeling healthy communication. Yeah. yeah it's good. Sure. All right. We need to move on. Ready for another category? This is fun. Ready to do this? Yeah. 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 So far, all so right, good. We've got a couple categories left. Here we go. All right. Boom. See what we got next here. Oh, yes. You guys are going to love this category. All right, here we go. For some reason, nobody else wanted to read the sex card, so I guess I'll read that one. All right, here we go. In our survey, we asked the question, how satisfied are you with your sex life? So you guys took the survey. On a scale of 1 to 10, the average answer was 6.25. Okay, so that's not super great. It's a passing grade. That's fine, but you're not necessarily excelling. We're shooting for the big O, right? What? Outstanding. 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 Oh. Okay. That's the big one. Right. Uh, also, also, <laughs> really, that really I just read really what it says. Julie, Julie wrote these cards. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. Also, almost half the survey takers indicated that they had sex less than once per week. Okay, so that's low. Now, on the other side, 5% of you animals said you're doing it more than four times a week. Okay. Hello. So, Congratulations. Well there. That's, that is outstanding. Bravo. That is outstanding. No kids. So, no kids. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Or, exactly. or empty nesters. Making kids. Empty yeah. nesters. Empty nesters. Yeah, yeah, don't sleep on the empty nesters, man. Oh, that's right. That's going to be good. That's going to be a good day. All right. Yeah. 
Big idea, big question. Why is satisfaction... <laughs> <laughs> He's nervous. A little nervous. Here's Julian reading for me. I can't do it. Why is sexual satisfaction and frequency important, and why does it even matter? Because we hear that. That was a, that was a question that sort of yeah. came up. It's like, why does, why does sex actually matter that much in our marriages? To add on to the... Because we did get into, like, why sex is reserved for marriage. So sex yep. is for marriage, but sex is also for marriage. You know, like you see what it, it, it's reserved for marriage, but it's also purposed for marriage that God actually gave it as a tool for you to work it um, <laughs> in your relationship. Yeah. In the bark, 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 Where's the innuendo board? Uh, no, it, it, he actually gave it as a tool. It, it forces, it forces and fuels intimacy. It's, if, if you say that sex matters in our relationship and we say that this, this is actually important, um, it, it can actually set, set up as a guardrail to know like, you know what, we haven't been super passionate lately. And, and it actually becomes this thing that can, can create the feeling of intimacy or it becomes the byproduct of intimacy. It's, it's, it's designed to be both. And a lot, generally speaking, this is sometimes not the case, but generally speaking, uh, women see sex as the, you know, the, the response to intimacy, that I'm feeling intimate right now, therefore this is going to lead to sex. Intimacy is the doorway to sex. Generally, men see sex as the doorway to intimacy. And that's not wrong, it's just different. And God actually designed it that way to cause us to have to work together. Sex forces partnership. It forces it. It forces you to actually, it's very hard to have good sex and be super mad at each other, isn't it? But yeah. it's also very possible to have good sex when you've just made up, correct? Um, and God's actually designed it that way. I know sometimes we think, we don't think about it, like, but sex was God's idea. And like God came up with this thing. Like it, it wasn't, it's not like he's like, oh, they're having sex now, ew, right? Like it's not... That's not, how he, that's not how he thinks. He made this for marriage, that we need to actually embrace it as something that it's a blessing. Now, if you're in a season of your life where you can't have sex, or maybe uh, there's a physical disability, or maybe you're just like, you're, you're at a season of life where that can't happen, there's, there's grace for you. But sex is actually a grace for your marriage, and you're supposed to see it that way. That's good. So how much sex should we be having, right? Let's just be real in church, because that's some people are Pass. just like, hey... <laughs> Some people are just like, all right, just tell me, tell me how many times a week and I will get it done and I'll just check it off the to-do list, right? <laughs> if it's Honestly. that easy, I'll give you a number. Honestly, well, right. we got to have it. So is, is there times. a perfect number out there somewhere floating around that we should be, that we you, should you be? You take this for? one, huh? I, I, I think as long as you're both happy, like satisfied with how many yeah. times you are. Doing and it. that's different for everybody. And it's going right? to change all the time depending on what season you're in. Like yeah. we've been in different seasons. Mm, that's really good, yeah. You know, we've had our trouble, and when things were not going well, that's usually the first thing to go. Yeah. Um, mm. To me, sex, how often you have sex, if you're not having sex, it's a good meter that there's something going Correct. on. Correct. And the answer, like, we're not telling you, okay, you're not having sex, so just go home. It's just simple. Just have more sex. It's likely not, maybe you'll go home and have sex, but likely the problem's going to happen again within a few days because... When a woman doesn't want to have sex, there's another reason. And, you know, it, maybe she's dealing with issues of trust 
Uh, maybe she's been hurt. Maybe maybe you owe her an apology. Um, you know, maybe that there is some big stuff going on. And, and yeah, it's a huge indicator, yeah. right? It's like a huge it's, indicator. It's an indicator like definitely. In a relationship for yeah. sure. Yeah, like is it fair to say that's like a thermostat? For your marriage, I definitely think it like is. When that when that goes down, that's that's ticking down like the percent. It's we're getting below the six point two five. We're getting down to three point two five. You know, frequency is is an indicator of an underlying issue. And how do we address those underlying issues? It's right. a thermostat, yeah. in the sense of you know like that you can you can actually. So it's a thermometer and a thermostat. Let me say exactly. it like that. Yes. It's something yeah. that gives you a reading. Some serious illustrations now. But it also, I think this works. It's something that gives you a reading. Mm. So yeah. I know, hey, the, the temperature is very cold. Mm. We need to crank up the heat. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. Right. So we need to do this more. And, and, and truly, like, so, like, that's why it's, it's important. You should schedule it. Like if, if, mm. if you have kids and you have busy schedules, like the sparks just aren't going to, the stars don't just align. You got to align them once in a while, right? Like you yep. got to actually make it a priority. Um, so you need to serve each other in, you know, whatever that middle ground is. Generally, there's going to be one who wants it more than the other. It's not always the man in the relationship. Yes, that's true. I think sometimes if I had to bet, it usually is. Uh, but sometimes some lucky men, their wife want it more than, <laughs> than they do. And, uh, you know, but the, the key is where Paul says, I think I read it last week. Uh, some of you guys memorized it. It's your memory verse from last week, 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul says, men give yourself to, to your wife and wives give yourself uh, sexually to your husband. I think the point is this, serve one another and meet in the middle. And, and, and so, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And that same verse, you could pro that would play off into... Because some people could say, well, hey, you have to serve me. You have to have sex with me whenever I want, right? But part of serving each other, too, is, is being willing to communicate and find that, find that middle ground, yeah. right? And to serve one another, one another that way, I think. I think really it's important, important too, to, to see yourselves, like, sexually, if you're, if you're married, to see yourselves as a unit. Mm -hmm. um, you're, not, you're not just one individual who has sexual needs. Um, if, if you are activated sexually, it's together. Uh, this is this, so this kind of carves out things like pornography and masturbation and that kind of thing. Um, you need to be operating as a unit together, like participating. Again, sex is reserved for marriage. So if you're, if you're doing that, it needs to be uh, in alignment with one another. And so it's super important to, to make sure like you don't, you know, if you're the guy who, who needs it more and you, she can't, she can't, doesn't want to do it as much as you, the answer is not to go look at porn and, and gratify yourself. Uh, the answer is to, to meet in the middle and, or communicate more. But the, yeah, so I think that's important to say, though, you are a sexual unit together. Yeah. Um, this isn't my sexual needs and her sexual needs. It's our sexual economy. Mm -hmm. And you need to work that uh, accordingly. So. I find some guys are always saying, too, and some of the guys I meet with and deal with will say, if my wife would have more sex with me, I'd be a better husband. Like, they're kind of waiting for that Ooh, first. The hang, it's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Tried. Yeah. Never going to happen. It just does. No, seriously. Like, yeah. Julie, if you would do this or this, then I'll be better. And that's just not going to happen. Us as men and the leader of the home, you, you need to buck up, man, yeah. and, and just go for it, right? Dudes could do better. We, we need to yeah. realize that foreplay doesn't start in the bedroom. That's right. Right? Like it's, it's, we've all a, heard that a million times, but Exactly. But it, but it is true. It is. Guys, yeah. we think differently, right? We compartmentalize. Like, sex is sex. Yeah. We have a space in our lives that is just for sex, and then we have a space in our Big lives space. for talking, space yeah. in our lives for eating, Big parenting, space. all Big this space. stuff, right? Yeah. 
most of the space. For for women, like everything is connected. Everything is interconnected, yeah. right? And so like they're when we pay attention to that as guys and are willing to go the extra mile makes a big makes a big difference. It's important though, like it's not just so that's a way that the guys can serve the women yeah. generally. And we're totally stereotyping. This can yes. this can cross can. gender Absolutely. for sure, yeah. but yep. let's just go with that. Um, the women can also serve the men who like you know, if, if you're in the case where you, you, the guy needs it more, uh, it's, not, it's not wrong to just, like, let him have it. <laughs> it's really not. And the charity case. No, for real. And, and most of us are not above that. Okay? Like, That's right. For real. Like, That's the right. Bible actually says sex is something that God, it's, it's for our protection. Like, if you're worried about your husband, you know, who's addicted to pornography, or you're worried about how he looks or talks to other women, um, I, this isn't all on you, but the Bible does actually say, like, this is one of the things where Paul says about getting married in the first place. He's saying, he's got this whole dialogue about, you know, why it's better to be single. And then he goes, but if some of you can't control yourselves, get a wife. He literally, it's in the Bible, y'all. Don't look at me like I wrote that. It's in the Bible. And, uh, and that, that shows us a principle, though, that God actually gave us that, and it protects us. It keeps us. Like, this is where God wants us to to. to deal with those desires is within the confine of the marriage. So again, it's an economy. It's, it's really important for your marriage too. Like we have gone through seasons where we haven't had as much sex, especially when Adam was um, in his addiction. And it does change the dynamic of your marriage because mm -hmm. for us, because I was the one, the responsible one having to step up and yeah. pay the bills and take care of all the stuff, um, it almost became more like a parent-child relationship. When, yeah. yeah, yeah. Am I like your mommy now? No. <laughs> Who, who's your daddy? Oh man! Oh. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I feel like we need a zinger over here. Like we're cheapers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is important because it it can become. Well, and I think it's important too for it not to be just used as a form of manipulation, though. Yeah. Like that, it's so easy because it's. It is such an intimate thing, and it's so raw that even yeah. emotionally that it can be used as a form of manipulation on either end. Yeah. And so, like, we, I think we have to be careful to not think of it as a tool, but think of it as a gift. Yeah. And, like, that in, in, the, in our marriage, if we're wanting to be equal and we want to, to not have any barriers and that we think of even our bodies as gifts as a way to, to as a form of intimacy, I think that it's really important that we don't use it in something, as something else. Yeah, I, I, and there's a fine line between hanging something out over someone's head to incentivize them to do what you actually want them to do, between that and serving one another you know, and, or even mutually agreeing, like, like between the two of you, how, how that's going to play out. It is an economy and sex is currency and you have to be honest about how, how you utilize it. Yep. Yeah. Work away at it guys. Practice makes perfect. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Why am I not surprised we spent more time talking about sex than anything else? All right, let's move on. Last category. Shall All we, right. you guys ready? Is everybody, everybody still go. with us? Okay. So good. Halifax. Of course Valley. they are. We're just talking about sex. Online. <laughs> yeah. Online. The online chatter today is just Boom. So wild. many comments. So many comments. All right. Here we go. Last one. What do we got? Last but not least. Ooh. Yes. That's a big one. Ending on that's the heavy stuff. All right, Mel. Take us away. All right. Calling it quits. We had a ton of questions come in surrounding marriages that were in a difficult place. 
Maybe because one spouse is either a non-believer, addicted, has committed adultery, or even been abusive. These are the incredibly difficult razor's edge moments when everything can fall apart quickly. If you're there today, just know we are not alone. We're going to tackle some of these questions together. So, how do we as Christians approach consistent destructive behavior and pain in our marriage? When is enough enough, and when is it time to hope? Hmm. Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, it just depends on if, if you're married to someone who is in destructive behavior. It depends on if they're willing, if it seems like they want to make a change. Hmm. If they're being honest about what's going on, and um, you know they're making the steps to change, then that's one thing. But if they're not, if they're not willing to change, if, if trust has been broken and there's this ongoing destructive behavior, um, sometimes the best thing for your marriage is to separate, um, believe it or not. We did that wrong, probably. Yeah. I mean, we did, it would come to a point that, like I would say, you need to leave. And this happened twice in our marriage, and yeah. that is when... Um, it forced you to kind of make a decision whether you wanted to continue in your addiction yep. or whether right. you were going yeah, to get Yeah, those that don't know, we, I was a, an addict, and it really tore apart our marriage. And But it was funny, and that even wraps way back to the dating thing. Like, Jesus was that focus, and, and both of us knew that he was the answer. And if you saw me going after that, that gave you some hope. But the moment I wasn't willing to make some of those changes... Mm. That, that was it. And I think, like, we did stay together through our addiction. And we get these questions all the time where people feel like they should split and do this. It, it was probably, I would say, 95% the wrong decision for us to stay together for those six to eight months. I, I believe in separation for the point of staying together. Right. Not to be dating or doing unhealthy. any of that garbage. To actually be working on it because it was extremely difficult like, there was little things that would cause a big fight. Like, if it left the milk out, it would wrap right back to wherever, yeah. right? It was... Can I, I want to ask yep. Julie this, because I know we... I remember we had some conversations even in that season. Mm. You know, what was it that caused you to, to know, like, I still have hope here? And, I, like, because I remember one conversation mm. specifically, like, you were really close to being like, I don't know right. if he's in this. And yeah. he's, he continues to burn the bridge and he continues to just do destructive things. You know, what, what was it, what would you say maybe to the, to the spouse, maybe it's a husband or a wife mm -hmm. who's here and they're like, how do I know? Like, how do I know when I do need to draw a line and say, look, look, you've, you've walked out of this. We've had these conversations. You have, by all intents and purposes, you've, you've destroyed this relationship yeah. and you haven't been faithful to us. Right. Um, how, how, what would you say to the person who is trying to figure out like when when is enough enough? Yeah, yeah. Like if they're not if they're not willing to change, like if it just keeps going and going, most times you're enabling them. If you're helping them more than they're helping themselves, then you're not helping at all. You're enabling them. And um, yeah, if there's no trust, there's no marriage really. And right. So I mean, the decisions made for you. Um, you know, if they're not going to change, you, you didn't decide to divorce. They decided for you, the person with the destructive behavior. So um, lots of times, yeah, it's 
they're deciding for you that it's it's time for you to step away and um, you know you just need what we did really is we for a couple of years we were so broken that we had to just work on ourselves even though we were living in the same house um, we spent the time working on ourselves and just plugging into to the Lord and bring others into your into your situation your, your loved ones your, your church, church family um, if you have Christian family um, bring let people speak into you and because sometimes you're so mixed up that mm. um, you don't even know I remember calling Brent and uh, we talked about it and you had said that you had seen something in Adam and just you saying that really helped put that in perspective just to have somebody wise speak into you when you're kind of underwater and you're in it so it's really hard to be objective you know I it think is you can't you can't trust your feelings a lot yeah. of the time like your feelings in your heart oftentimes lead you really in poor places so that's huge advice to have others being able to speak into but right. I would I, you know I think we'd be is it remiss or amiss but I think we'd be remiss I think is how you say yep, it, you got it that People didn't hear, though, because I know there are some marriages that are in really tough spaces. Like, don't miss the miracle that's sitting on this stage, you know, what Jesus did in your relationship. Yep. Yeah. No, but what, what would you, uh, I just want to say, like, like, with, like Jesus said, with man, you know, certain things are possible and certain things aren't. But with God, nothing is impossible. Yeah, it's totally possible. But it's, it's one day at a time. It's, it's not overnight. It, it takes a long time, and it, it takes work. It takes a decision end. together, too. And it, was, it took me, too. It's not just the person that's doing the destructive behavior. If he worked on it and got better, and if I, like we say this all the time, if I didn't get involved in Celebrate Recovery, if he just did that and I stayed home and I thought I haven't done anything and I didn't work on healing myself, it would never have worked. Mm -hmm. I needed to work on myself. I was broken, really, really broken. We, we were broken. Like, I remember even at Celebrate Recovery teaching and going home and just being on a heap on the floor, like just like, I can't do this. And because you're working on yourself and I'm working on myself, things started to heal. Like we really couldn't work on our marriage. There was nothing to work on. It was totally gone and we had two boys. Like some, we, we asked, like, why did you stay with him? Why did you stay? And, like, the answer was. For the kids? We had kids. It wasn't because she loved me or because Jesus said he should do it. It was legit because she didn't know what to do. She had two kids. We had two kids. And I was a train wreck. And we didn't know what to do. And that was enough at that moment, right? Yeah. But it, it was. God will yeah. use what's left. That's yeah. right. He'll like, use he, what's left. And you need to decide what you want. I, we, we wanted it to work. And so if you decide that, I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. But I made that decision, and then I just focused on my relationship with Christ and worked on myself, and it was just one day at a time. And that, it, it took a few years. That's but, huge advice there. Don't, don't miss what she just said. I focused on Christ. Like, she focused herself on Christ. And I actually wanted to jump off of, and we're almost out of time here today, and we'll, we'll, we'll close off, we'll end in prayer, and we won't have time to, to sing again. But I wanted to mention not just for those who are like in a difficult space in your marriage and you're going through a destructive season, but there's a lot of you in our church family who, you know, you're, you come here, you love Jesus, but your spouse wants nothing to do with it. Um, 
that's a very heavy and difficult thing. Like you're hearing us talk about don't be unequally yoked. It's going to cause tension. It's going to be difficult. You know, the same way that I want to encourage you, the same way that God can do anything with two people who, who are willing to say, look, let's not quit on this. Let's pursue Christ together. He can do anything there. God can also, uh, I'll, I'll say this, there's, there's grace for you uh, in your position as a person of faith married to someone who's not. And I actually wanted to, if I had another week in this series, I probably would preach on this because there's enough of you I know are wrestling through like, okay, I'm unequally yoked. My husband wants nothing to do with this and it's a source of contention and difficulty. So what hope do I have? And I actually wanted to pull up a scripture that I've actually shared this with many uh, a spouse over the years and it's a, it's a bit mysterious, but I think it can encourage you. This is in 1 Corinthians 7 and Paul is writing just a whole bunch of stuff to the church in Corinth and he says this. He says, if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, so he's willing to stay with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. So it goes both ways. It's not just, otherwise your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, what is he talking about there? He's saying, and I know this is a mystery. I don't know how it all works. I know each person has to give an account. Each person has to answer for themselves and their own faith. But I believe what Paul is trying to get you to see here is this. You focus on Jesus and trust that through you, there is sufficient grace, not just for your life, but for your partner, for your spouse, that there's sufficient grace. That's what he's saying. My grace is sufficient for you. He's saying, trust me. And I love that he uses the word sanctify. You know what that means? It means to be set apart. It means that like what, what Paul is saying, he's saying, I have special access to your unbelieving husband and I have special access to your kids through your relationship. So don't think that you have to preach to your, to your spouse. It's not your job to convert them. It's not your job to, to beat the Bible over their head. Your job is to pursue Jesus for you. And as you do, that grace has its, has its way of working out in your relationship. And I just... I don't, know, I don't know who needs this. But I feel like the Lord just wants you to know, like, his grace is sufficient for you. And if you are one flesh with someone who does not believe, there is sufficient grace. He's saying your husband is sanctified through you. So the point is this, whether you are going through a season trying to not divorce and going through difficulty, whether it's trying to figure out communication, whether you're in a season where you're like, well, I just wish my husband could share my faith. The, the point is this, and the invitation is this, turn yourself to Jesus. Like if you've heard nothing else in this whole series, like you need grace and his name is Jesus. Your marriage needs grace. Your season needs grace. Your spouse needs grace. And I know there are some marriages out there that they aren't people of faith and they're making it work great. I know for us, if it wasn't for Christ, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. So whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're together and fighting to stay together, whatever season you're in, I just wanna, I wanna leave us with this. Turn to Jesus, he is the answer. I know you came to church, you expected the pastor to say that, I'm gonna say it turn to Jesus. He's enough and he's more than enough. I figure uh, we should pray.
Can we do that? Maybe all, yeah, let's, let's stand and let's pray. Maybe if you're here with your spouse, let's just take hands and let's maybe end this series off this way. Uh, all of our locations, Valley, West, Halifax, online, maybe you're watching together. Why don't you take your spouse by the hand and let's just, uh, let's just ask for grace in whatever season or circumstance we're in. And we'll close off with this today. I know we've taken a little bit of time, but I hope this has been helpful. I hope the series has been helpful. But uh, beyond all the handles and hacks and nuts and bolts, I hope you hear this. You need Jesus. You just need Jesus. Maybe you're here, you're not even a person who's married or you don't even care about being married. Maybe you're, you're just in a single zone, you like it. You need Jesus. So uh, turn to him. So Father, we just come to you. We recognize our need right now, all of our locations, wherever we're standing, whoever we're standing with or we're standing alone, whether we're holding the hand of our spouse who we're in a good season with or we're holding the hand of someone uh, who, who we're just barely hanging on, whether we're standing here alone wishing our spouse was with us, Lord, we just want to turn to you and say, Jesus, you're the answer. You're what we need. You're who we need. Uh, you're the direction. You're the wisdom. You're the way. You're the truth. You are the life. And so, God, whether we're here single, whether we stand together, whether we're here alone or whether we're, we're, we're in a great place as a couple, uh, God, we just ask for a great work of the grace of God in our lives and in our marriages like never before. Uh, God, would you bring the health and the mindset of heaven? Lord, I pray for the ones like who are in that season like Adam and Julie were and they're talking about. And God, I just pray for grace upon grace into, the, into those seasons. And Lord, uh, for, for the wife who's here and there's just so little left, there's just that little bit of morsel of hope. God, you're the one who just takes the little bit and you make much. And so God, we just speak miracles over, uh, over marriages that it just seems like all hope is gone and uh, it's too late. We just say it's not too late and it's never too late in Jesus' name. And God, for the one who's struggling to forgive today, God, I pray for grace to forgive. Lord, I pray for grace to uh, bring us into alignment. Jesus, I pray for a work of grace in our, in our lives in such a way that would cause us to uh, give up our right to be right and cause our selfishness to take a back seat and that we would, like you, Jesus, consider others as better than ourselves. Lord, would you bring that into our marriages? So, Father, for our communication, Lord, for our money, for our uh, sexual intimacy, Lord, in every single scenario, in every single season, Lord, we hold it out to you and we say, breathe life into it. And we realize that this life, and especially marriage, is never meant to be done apart from you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we just ask for strength upon strength, grace upon grace, and new seasons to unfold in our lives, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in this series, and we thank you for the season we're in, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, amen. amen, amen. Hey, let's just thank the Lord for all that he's done. Thank you, Jesus.